Hey, what's up, YouTube? It's Rico, CEO of Source Finding Asia, and I'm back with another one. Although this is a different one, uh, this is going to be the first video cast that we're releasing. So, me and Harrison Bevins, he's been on the YouTube channel. I think I've been on his YouTube channel before. He's got a YouTube channel called Harrison Bevins, of course, same name. And he's been on my podcast, I think this might be the third or fourth time he's been on the podcast. We did an episode where we reviewed our favorite podcast, Reply All. He was featured on that podcast. They did an episode on Amazon FBA sellers and the climate of Amazon. And this particular episode is a follow-up from a podcast that we recorded two years ago called First Year in China Lessons. So this is Second Year in China Lessons. And basically what we talked about was just how in your first year in China, you kind of trying on different things you're learning you're trying to make connections and then if you're lucky enough to start something in your first year a lot of people don't and that's okay um, by the time you get into your second year you might be trying something else so you might have failed and learned from those lessons and then start to put things together try to start to see the puzzles and using all your connections right so that's basically what we talked about and of course just the, the way you your perception of the country changes the more time you spend in it there's a novelty aspect when you're here the first few months six months I would say even to eight, eight months there's a little bit of a novelty aspect and then when you're in your second year you kind of understand how things go so I think this is a really good follow-up from the first one so if you want to listen to the first episode there is no video component to it but you can go back subscribe made in China podcast and then you can come back and, and listen to this one um, you don't necessarily have to they're not like you know it's not like completely connected but there is a theme going throughout both episodes and of course this one we have we're at the IFC we're hanging hanging out having a couple of drinks so there's a nice little visual component IFC four seasons in Guangzhou on the 70th floor with a beautiful view so without further ado enjoy the podcast I don't want to be a product of my environment I want my environment to be a product of me something different I haven't done before. This is a video podcast, Source Finasia blog, Rico, CEO of Source Finasia. Harrison's over here. And today we're going to be doing a review of a podcast that we did a year ago. It was the first year in China lessons. This is going to be second year in China lessons. So without further ado, let's get into it. Last year we did this uh, podcast. I think it was it was interesting to talk to you because I guess I'm like a year ahead of you. So it was like when you were talking about your lessons, it was interesting to see the similarities and then for me to kind of revisit yeah. what I went through. So I believe that the last episode that we did, you left off at a stage where you'd just come back from Taiwan and then you were you realized that Taiwan wasn't necessarily the right move at that time. And then right. you'd start getting into drop shipping. Right. Right. So, so what's, yes, what's been going on since backpedal a little bit. So this was still in 2016, so it's still like I was coming up on my first year in China, and we had just moved back from Taiwan. I had started a dropshipping store like in May of that year, but it was it had been up and down, and came back to Guangzhou just to be closer to where all of my suppliers were. Yeah. Um, and I, if I remember correctly, the main reason was just because of like the hustle mentality that that the Chinese have. And um, 
everybody's just like working really hard here. And so I wanted to be closer to that because Taiwan was a little bit more laid back. Um, and since then, so that was about October, November, I think we talked. And the, the holiday season... By the way, Harrison's sick, so if he sounds strange... Excuse my voice. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not feeling the greatest. Sounding nasally. Um, yeah, so the holiday season was really good for my store. Um, yeah, I broke, broke $10,000 in sales uh, in one month, which was like a huge barrier for me. Yeah, so eventually I found out that I could sell this, this website on flippa.com. Thanks to Luke, who told me that that existed. And so over the course of a couple months, I, I did some more research and just like looked into what you need to do. And it's pretty straightforward. Just list the site, like list all the information and all the, all the sales history and ended up selling in, uh, at the end of April. So I got a good chunk of money um, from that sale and took some time off trying to figure out what I wanted to get into, what I wanted to do. Um, so about two months later, I came back from a trip in the U.S. and realized that I wanted to take the money that I had and, and go forward with Amazon FBA, <clears throat> which a lot of people who come to Guangzhou, that's specifically what they're doing. Come to the Canton Fair, try to source products. So I figured since I'm here, I have a, a you know, competitive advantage in that respect. And yeah. So that was July, and since then I've launched three products and about to launch two more in the next month. So things are going good, just trying to scale up. So, so I mean, the first year it was kind of like getting your feet on the ground, figuring out what you want to do, because I remember the conversations that we had, you wanted to do something online, but you weren't sure exactly what that was. Yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, I moved out here without really a, a solid plan. It was just like, I want to make money on the internet or I just want to make money that will allow me to travel and like have free time and stuff. So originally which is, I was- Which is like similar to me. My fr Like I didn't really have a solid <coughs> plan when I first came down. I yeah. just knew that there's opportunities here. And right. Just, yep. And I think most people who come out here uh, who are young, that's kind of what they're doing. Like trying to figure things they're, out. Yeah, they, they maybe just graduated college or they didn't graduate college at all. They're just like, China's growing and I hear so many things about it. I just want to go out there and see what's happening. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll be like a, a copywriter or you know, I'll just be like a freelancer. And quickly realized that I didn't like to trade time for money, um, which I think most people can relate to. Because like, you know, I was making decent money writing articles and uh, doing copywriting, which I learned a lot of skills from, but I have to sit down and physically write for an hour, two hours, or however long. Yep. And I was like, I want to get into a business model that actually works while I'm sleeping. And that's when I stumbled into dropshipping. So uh, you stumbled into dropshipping. How did you, how did you find dropshipping? Uh, so like any savvy entrepreneur, <laughs> I just Googled like how to make money online. Yeah. This is like early 2016 and came across a blog post and somebody was writing about how you could import products from AliExpress onto a Shopify website and that customers would then see your, your storefront, buy products, and then you could then buy them on AliExpress that would ship directly to the customer. 
And I was like, holy shit, this is fucking perfect. Yeah. This is exactly what I want to do. And it's, you kind of got into dropshipping, <clears throat> I would say, like, when the, like the height of it, or just before the height? Uh, I think, like, it was still, it, it still wasn't mainstream yet. Like, I, I got in, like, I guess at a good time. I think I got out right when it was peaking. Because the reason why I brought that up was, like, uh, a couple weeks ago, I sent you guys a, right. a Reply All <laughs> podcast, and... Uh, I don't remember what the name of the episode was, but I'll, I'll it's, obviously it's put the it most in the ex, It's like the most expensive oh, free the, watch. The most expensive free watch. And I was like, I just, as soon as I listened to it, the <clears throat> thing is, I'm, we're, in, we're in China, right? So it's like, I've experienced this. I knew Harrison had a dropshipping store. I know a lot of people that tried it out. I was listening to that podcast, and the, the first five minutes was like, oh, you know, I went online, and I found, I was on Facebook, and I saw an ad, and it was like, free watch. <laughs> yeah, and then I click on the the, the the link. It's like free watch. Okay, cool. It's like not a super crazy watch, but it's free. And then it was like ten dollars for shipping. It's free, but it's, I was like, this is about drop shipping. Like within a, like two minutes of listening, I was like, this is a drop shipping yeah. episode. And then they just went in. I, I love how Reply All does their things, where it's like they they, de- they basically it. deconstruct everything. So they're it's like they're treating the subject matter like it's the first time you've ever heard of it. Yeah. So they kind of explain the whole process, and they're slowly discovering more and more what dropshipping is. Um, talk to different people in the, who are in doing the, it. Who are doing it, exactly. And then talk to people that have bought, the, like the customers, what, what yeah. do the customers think? The shitty products from AliExpress. Yeah. So then I, uh, I was like, I hit up our group chat. We have a group chat on WeChat, <coughs> me, Harrison, and, and Nick. And I was just like, you guys have to listen to this episode. Like, <laughs> it's hilarious. As insiders, this is fucking hilarious. And I mean, it's like... Once you're in this in this world uh, and you're you're doing this type of stuff every day, you you see these ads and like you know exactly what people are doing. Like yeah. I, I can't tell you how many. I think most of the ads I see on Instagram or Facebook are dropshipping stores. Yeah. Like it, it's, you can tell in an instant. You go to the website, go to their shipping times. If it says over ten days, then you know it's you it's know, being yeah. shipped from China. And yeah. they'll say like we source products from all different parts of the world, so sometimes it takes a little bit longer, or we handcraft all of these <laughs> unit, unit by unit. It's all bullshit. Like, yeah. it's, just, it's just funny when you get into that world, like, you, you catch on to it way quicker. You become like a more savvy uh, buyer, I guess. So seeing that, I was like, okay, dropshipping <clears throat> has peaked, and it's probably on the decline. Because the moment it starts to become like, you have podcast episodes and a podcast like Reply All, which is kind of general about internet stuff. Them covering dropshipping yeah. tells me that this thing is way mainstream. Yeah. And now, like, the customers are becoming more savvy to what's going yeah. on. Soon everyone's going to know what yeah. AliExpress is. Yeah. They're just gonna like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go down from there. So you have to innovate. Um, okay. So you, you sold the dropshipping store. How did that feel? Like, I remember we, we, I remember we were having a mastermind and you were kind of like on the fence. I don't remember if we pushed you into it, but like you were kind of like, ah, I'm not sure if I want to sell. I'm thinking about it. Yeah, you know? so I, I remember that because I was like, I was thinking, first of all, I was just skeptical. Like I, I didn't think anybody would buy a store like that mm. for as much money uh, as they do. Like people actually, people make a lot more money than I do, than I did um, for selling those types of stores. So when I, that, when I first heard the idea, I was like, there's no way that this will work. I was like, no, it's like, what, you'll get a couple grand, you know? I was like, that's not exciting to me. Like, uh, if, I, if I can make a couple grand per month already running this site, I don't want to sell for a couple grand. So I was, we had the discussion of like, let's just 
why don't you just throw it up there and see what happens? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was <clears> it. Like, yeah, it was just like just see, put put the the store up. You don't have to sell. Just yeah, see what happens. And see what the response is. So within a week, uh, the the people who run Flippa.com emailed me. And were like, we really like your website. Like, we want it to be uh, on the editorial page or. We want to basically put it on the front page because we think it has a lot of potential. Um, By the way, Flippa.com is like a what, like an auction site? Yeah, you can you can flip e-commerce like stores. e-commerce stores, affiliate website store uh, websites, basically anything online that that is generating any type of income. Um, so I threw it up there. They contacted me. We're like, we want to throw this on our front page. I was like, oh sweet, that's awesome. And then like immediately started getting like. A shitload of traffic and tons of people asking me questions about it, and uh, there was still two weeks of the bidding process left. So, I think at that point, you know, it had already gotten up to like like five or six thousand dollars, and um, usually it doesn't really spike until like the last day, really. Yeah, because it's auction sites. Like anybody that's bought stuff on yeah. eBay, you know, old school eBay shout out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anybody that's bought stuff on eBay, it would be like there's an iPhone. The first iPhone, and it's like two dollars, and then <laughs> and then on the last day, it jumps up to like two hundred. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. So the last hour, that was kind of the same experience. I mean, I was still skeptical up until the last day because like the price jumped over ten grand in in the last twenty four hours. Yeah. Um, so I was like, you know, and then at that point, I was like, okay, this is a good chunk of money, and I wouldn't have to sit here and like run this store every day because it's not. Dropshipping isn't as passive as as uh, people say it is. Like, mm. of course, if you if you outsource to to VAs and stuff, but really, if you're doing the model I was doing and using a lot of Facebook ads, you really you have to be the you are like the brain behind the business. Like, if you don't know how to do Facebook ads, then the business kind of just doesn't work. Um, and I was tired of like I was I I spent literally a year every single day in my Facebook power editor like putting together ads. So. I was kind of done done with that. Wanted to move on to something more advanced. And uh, once the money came in and it sold, I was like, "Dude, I'm taking this and like I'm gonna move on to the next thing and do something bigger and better." So, they, yeah, it was like an easy decision at that point. Okay. Uh, right now we are in the IFC Tower, which yeah. is the tallest, second tallest, second tallest tower no. in yeah. Guangzhou. Yeah. Uh, but it's like the most second tallest building. It's like the most luxurious building in Guangzhou. It's the yeah. Four Seasons. Four uh, Seasons we're Hotel. We're the atrium right now, where people are eating uh, very expensive. They're eating goods. very expensive. Uh, I like, guess you could call it like like brunches or whatever. Like what is uh, this? It's like an like afternoon, afternoon tea. tea. Afternoon yeah. tea. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. you're in the UK, like I think it's pretty similar yeah. to that. I've never been to the UK, but. Uh, that's what it would. Yeah, that's been, what it reminds me. I've been to. So yeah, they're having like tea and crumpets. Like I've been to England. Not that many people have afternoon tea in this day and age in in England, but yeah. in China, yeah, it's still very common. It's kind of like you you have snacks and tea and whatever, and it's kind of like having a a meal in between lunch and dinner, um, and you just hang out. You know? Yeah, and it's, it's some rich rich people shit. Outside, like <laughs> outside, is the. Uh, the river and yep. the city, and it's like we're like we're on the seventieth floor, so you can see everything. Yep. Obviously, we'll splice in some footage for that. Um, okay, so you sold the store. How, how did you felt like ready to move on to the next thing? Yeah. You went on a little vacation. Yep. Uh, so yeah, went to the U.S. for three weeks with my girlfriend. 
How did you? F- I remember when you sold the store. Like a month later, we went to the cross border summit. It's actually perfect timing because cross border summit's next month. Yeah. Um, and how did you feel going to the cross border summit? I know that that stage you were kind of looking for new ideas. Yeah. Um, how did you just feel like in terms of your confidence level? Just sold this business of looking for a new business. When you're talking to other people, what's the reception? Um, no, it was awesome because like it definitely gave me a little bit of um, what is the word uh, legitimacy, I guess. Yeah. Like people people take you a little bit more serious yeah. when you say that you sold a business. Um, you know, it's, I didn't I didn't make like a million dollars. I didn't make that much money, but still like being able to grow something that is profitable and then sell it um, was somewhat of an accomplishment. So being able to t- tell people about what I was doing. Uh, was really really cool and you know it led me to a bunch of interesting conversations and I learned a lot from other people about what they were doing and obviously the the cross-border summit is very like FBA focused or I would say yeah just because FBA is the in thing right now right so going there and not really knowing what it is uh, was a big uh, that weekend really helped me like figure out that's okay this is like the next thing that I want to do well, you had an idea of what FBA was but it was just more like getting an in-depth hearing the ins know, and outs of what yeah, people are doing every day and meeting um, people that are actually selling on yeah, Amazon and, yeah. yeah yeah it was cool I mean just like a good a good mix of people and you know people who are doing like really big numbers and uh, then people who are you know just trying to figure out what they want to do but you, you meet like a, a good variety of people and it was just good to share my story and so what was the moment you go on vacation you, you've been to a cross-border summit you just sold your company you're looking for new ideas when is the moment where you're like Amazon FBA uh, was it I think it was during your vacation right yeah because yeah. I feel like you came back and you're like this is my focus right now yeah yeah so uh, yeah I mean I was on vacation for three weeks and I didn't do anything, like I wasn't working on anything. And when you don't have any income coming in, it just like doesn't feel great. And I realized like, okay, if I just go back to China and like, like dink around for a couple months, it's gonna feel like shit, I'm gonna be depressed. Like I need to work on something. And uh, so it just, yeah, it was just like a clear, it was like the clear next step. I'm just like, okay. I'm gonna do Amazon FBA. It's e-commerce. I already like, I already like selling stuff online. I already know that. Um, this is just like the next step, and there's something new to learn. And I like to learn how this stuff works. So, yeah, it was just like an obvious next step. Yeah. Before we go deeper into that, lessons learned. Uh, two questions. Do you ever feel like you could have uh, pushed the dropshipping store further? And then, what is the lessons that you learned from selling a dropshipping store? Uh, yeah, so so from somebody who's like, somebody who's a newbie, and then they're consi- like maybe they're considering drop- going into dropshipping, or maybe they have a dropshipping store, they're thinking about selling it. Uh, so the first thing, uh, you know, you ask the question like, could I push it further? Yeah, and. I know you mentioned like not wanting to do the Facebook ads on a daily basis. Yeah, no. So could you have systemized that? Or, yeah, you know, so. I wanted to grow it into like a real brand and like actually have inventory. The thing that bothered me the most was like the customers. Um, the customer experience was terrible. Yeah. People are getting these products sometimes 30 days after they order it. 
and lack of control. Over yeah, the, yeah. I'm like, this sucks. Like, lack I, of control over quality and customer. Yeah, and when people, you know, that's not a good feeling as somebody who owns a owns a business where your customers are like, where the fuck is my shit? Like, why does this take so long? Or why is this broken? You're yeah. like, like I have no idea. I'm like, I don't. You know, like I could push this further, but like, do I do I want to be involved in this anymore? Like, it, it just felt like dirty and like, yeah, not not fun. So, if, yeah, that's going back to the reply all episode. <clears throat> that was one of the things that they said was like, um, there's always been middlemen. Of course, there's yeah. always been people who buy and sell a product that somebody else made, but usually the the advantage of having somebody in between the buyer. And the end user is that the in between person does quality control. It, well, they add some. They add some, some type value. of value. Yeah. Yeah. Whether that's like getting it to you faster or getting it to you in a nice package or making sure that it's not going to break. So, but with dropshipping, that's not existing. Yeah. So, I was going to try to expand and, and make it a real business, like buy inventory, do quality control. I like. I even had some packaging samples done, um, but ultimately, I was like, okay, this is a niche that I don't really care that much about. Do I want to like invest more time and energy and effort into growing this thing that that I'm not too passionate about? Um, and the answer was no. So, uh, what was the second question? Second question was, uh, what did you learn from selling the store uh, from the perspective of like somebody that maybe is getting into dropshipping right now, or somebody that has been in dropshipping and is considering doing the same thing? So, what were your lessons from selling? Um, I'd say like if you want to if you want to get more money, uh, you should definitely have like like all social media accounts like posting consistently, um, you know, good customer service. Uh, is like if you can automate things, if you have somebody who can take take off some of these tasks, and the more automated it is, you'll you'll get you'll get a higher multiple. Um, keep track of all your your information like. Uh, all your like accounting, you got to make sure that that's that's all locked down. And if somebody was thinking about selling right now, it, it kind of just it depends on your business and like you know how much money you're. If you're generating a shitload of money every month and it's and you like doing it, then keep doing it. But um, yeah, as far as what was, sale, the, what was the the multiple you used to know how much you should sell for? Well. The market multiple for dropshipping stores is like uh, 12 times monthly profit. About 12 times monthly profit, um, depending on like a number of factors. Actually, some people say it can get up to 18. It just depends on like like how automated your store is, like you know the quality of everything, um, sales history. Yes, exactly. Like, yeah, if you're growing, you're growing faster, or uh, all those things. Um, Why FBA, and what's the plan moving forward? Um, FBA, <clears throat> well, just like as I was saying, with the drop shipping, you're you're working on you're working in Facebook all the time. Like, you have to be involved in the business every day. With FBA, all the work is done in the beginning, so. You put a lot of work into finding a good product, doing the research, getting the packaging, doing the quality control, and then once it's shipped to Amazon, it's like it's pretty smooth sailing from there. If you if you picked a if you picked a good product, it just sells itself, and you don't have to you're not sitting on your computer all fucking day like 
you know, checking your ads or looking at your, your cost per click and all that stuff. So that is really uh, freeing, I guess. Like, you have, more, you have more freedom in this regard, and I feel like you can scale up much quicker and a lot, a lot uh, yeah, just a lot bigger. So the, the goal for FBA is just adding as many products as I can given the financial constraints that I have. So being here, it's very helpful because I can, like for the example of before the Chinese New Year, I found the products and while they weren't accepting orders for anybody else, I just went to the factory in, in Foshan, put in a quick order for 300 units and uh, did the quality control myself. They shipped it out. Like I put together the listing. Yeah, and by the way, Foshan is like an hour and a half from Guangzhou. So that's one of those things. It's like if you're living here, you find a factory, you're doing research on Alibaba, you find a supplier, you're like, okay, this one's, this is probably going to be it. Yeah. And then you're able to like take a train for an hour and a half. Yeah. Like, so a whim and go check out the supplier. Oh, this this works. Okay. Um, I could pay somebody else to do quality control. That's probably 200 bucks, or I can pay 40 bucks myself to go to the factory yeah, and like just see it firsthand, yeah. which is like what I like to do uh, when when it's close like this, of course. But like you know, while my competitors are either not being able to communicate with their factory because they're on vacation or they're in the U.S. or they're not oh, taking it's just any the, orders, the time zone aspect of like yeah. 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 Meanwhile, I'm. I'm like getting an order in while my competitors are running out of stock yep. for the next like three weeks. Um, and I was just like, holy shit, now you could never do this if I was, I couldn't have done that if I wasn't anywhere else. Um, it was just very, very good to be here. So FBA and being here together is like a power move. So you guys have seen me Waking up early for the past two days, you've seen me going to factories, you've seen me dealing with my Chinese employees, you've seen me at the IFC Tower, you've seen me working late. But you might be wondering or asking, how, how did I get here? in the life 25 year old CEO in Asia made a China podcast manufacturing consulting in China out now Yeah, and then getting in that order before Chinese New Year, then you, you, you're seeing the sales now, and it's, yeah. like it's a product that's working. Yeah, so the, yeah, it's yeah. pick it up, and uh, I've already put in the second order for that product and actually ordering an additional product with that same factory. And then I have a different product in a different niche that I got samples for like right when I got back. Um, and that's what's great. I can get samples in like two, three days. Meanwhile, someone in the U.S. is waiting like 10, 14 days. So... 
just speed. It's awesome. Um, what was I going to ask about FBA? Oh, okay. So from a real uh, granular, practical level, what are the resources that you used to, to kind of do your product research and then find the products? Uh, so I'm sure if anyone who's done if FBA does, uh, they've heard of Jungle Scout or Viral Launch. Yep. Uh, these are product research tools that I use, mostly Viral Launch now. Uh, they have a product discovery tool, which is really helpful. Um, but after you launch a first couple, you kind of kind of understand what to look for, you kind of know what to look for. So a lot of times I just like stumble on something yep. and then I'll, I'll use the tool to like validate it. Um, and then besides that, um, I use a tool called wordtree.io, which is like, you basically, you can pull like all the competitors that you're, that you're looking at and it will give you a uh, you know, value or an analysis and show you like the search volume for all of the keywords that, that uh, these products are showing up for. So like, you know, a lot of people I think who do Amazon that, that have a failed product, what happens is that they search a keyword that looks like it has good sales volume, but that keyword, uh, those competitors are actually uh, making sales from other keywords that 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 they aren't aware of. Yeah, um, that might be way more competitive than what they're seeing. Um, so then they they launch their product. And they're like, why am I selling? They're like, well, all of these guys are actually making sales from a different keyword that all have thousands of reviews that like you're not even aware of. Um, so this tool is really good for seeing where the sales are actually coming from. Yeah. Uh, but even beyond that, obviously, it's important to touch on the, the basic stuff, but I think that my audience, I'd like to think that my audience knows about Jungle Scout and stuff. Um, what do you think, what are tools that you used in China that are unique? Not even tools, but just resources. Uh... For, for Amazon? I'm talking about myself, basically. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm joking. So, but I'm just uh, saying, like, yeah, right no, like here. resources. Product photography. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I did, I did get product uh, photos. This is true, yeah. From, from Rico's company. When I, when I just, the product I just what told is, you what about. What is your unabashed, honest opinion? You talked about it before, but what is your, your opinion of the product photos? From you? Yeah. Uh, the, the photos themselves were, were good, were okay. Um, the only issue was, do you really want me to tell, talk about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's an, it's an important uh, <coughs> lesson. I want to prime. Like, yeah, so, the thing is, I want to talk about like, the process a little okay, bit. Okay, yeah, so like the communication factor. Yeah. So I filled out like a, a sheet that, that, that showed like the, photo, the types of photos I wanted. And I wanted the, the photographer to use these photos as a reference mm. and use his own creative abilities to come up with some nice photos. But what happened is he like copied the angles like exactly. Um, and what, the problem is the problem with that is that these are like competitors' photos, so now I have a listing full of uh, photos that are almost identical to my competitors. But I went ahead and hired a, a, a graphics guy and did some infographics. So he he's got text and other things around it. So it's not like it's not like I copied everything exactly. But the the lesson learned is like when you're communicating with Chinese, uh, you have to be very specific with your instructions. Otherwise, they would just take everything at face. It's the same thing that I talk about when it comes to manufacturing. This is why I wanted to bring this up. Obviously, it's like, oh, well, oh, you're going to shit on my photography. <laughs> no, but at the end of the day, the, the photos themselves are good 
Yeah, um, it's like professional It's professional photos. photos. But when it comes to creativity, you have to be very specific when you're dealing with China. Right. And really, uh, the main, like, fo- photos is meh. It's like, you know, $100. Well, I'm talking about, like, when you're creating a product, a lot of people think that the factory is going to design this product for them. Yeah. And that's where they fuck up because that's not what a factory, that's not what Chinese people are, that's not one of the main strengths that they have. programmed to do that. Yeah, like, based on education, based on the culture, they're used to following instructions. And it's not to say that there's no creative Chinese people. Obviously, there's a lot of cool business ideas, yeah. apps, technology, products that get uh, made in China. But at the end of the day, the vast majority of factories that you're dealing with, you need to be the creative person. You need to be coming up with those ideas and you need to be very, very specific about what you want if you want to get what you want. So being like, oh, well, use this as a reference. Uh, when it comes to products especially, I always see that mistake with, yeah. with, with clients. They'll just copy it. Yeah. The same. Yeah, exactly. Because they don't know what you want them to do. Yeah. They can take a product and deconstruct how it was made and do the exact same thing. But it's it's very unusual for them to take a product and be like, well, maybe we can make these improvements. That's not. That's not yeah. They're not trying to innovate. Yeah. Unless yeah. you give them those instructions. Um, but yeah, beyond me, what other resources do you think were invaluable to you finding these products and just your whole. FBA knowledge. Obviously, we talked about cross border summit. What about interchina? What about using WeChat for communication? Yeah, I would what say. About? I mean, I'd say WeChat's the biggest one. To be honest, yeah. uh, like I already talked about speed, and WeChat gives you. Everybody uses WeChat, so it's like you know, emails is is slow. WhatsApp is blocked, uh, so WeChat is like the thing to use, and and also a payment system. So. Like this week, I bought samples. I just sent, you know, 30 RMB to the directly to the representative. Like she like, sends it out that day. Like seven dollars. Yeah. So, it, WeChat to me is a huge resource um, that is here in China. And if, if anybody is doing business with the Chinese, that's an app that you need to have. Additional resources. Alibaba, but everyone has everyone has access to Alibaba. No, I meant I meant just unique to China. So um, definitely, the, the EC group is useful. Uh, I've used it a couple of times. I'm sure Rico's talked about that. And yeah, different connections and the people that you you meet out here. Yeah, I, I I still have a lot more to to learn though in my journey. Like you know, a lot of the products that I've launched haven't been too too crazy. Like. Not, they haven't been too customized or modified to an extent that I've I've done like some uh, drastic, you know, engineering changes. But in the future, I plan to do that, and I, I would like to do that. So I still have a lot to learn. So overall, from a from a business and then life perspective, what are the biggest lessons you learned in your second year in China? Uh, well, this is something that I wanted to actually talk about on my own, like on my own blog, my own. Harrison channel. has a YouTube channel. We'll link it up. Harrison Bevins. Check out my channel, guys. Um, I did a video with him as well recently. Yes. So, one thing just about entrepreneurship, I think that's important is like the ups and downs are can sometimes be very severe. Uh, not severe, but very drastic. Like. I sold my dropshipping store and I was like... When feeling you said severe, I just thought about Bane. 
<laughs> your punishment must be your punishment must be more severe. <laughs> a tornado. Yeah. <laughs> That's a severe thunderstorm. Uh, yeah, what's a good word to describe like the ups uh, and downs? Yeah, it's a roller coaster ride. Roller coaster. There you yeah. go. Like I said, my brain's not working today. <laughs> um, yeah. So the, you have a lot of ups and downs, and you just have to learn how to push through those and, and know that. Uh, Things are, are going to get better. That when I when I sold the dropshipping store, I was feeling really good about myself. Um, you know, and then like three three months later, I was starting Amazon FBA and uh, didn't really know what the hell I was doing. Felt like maybe I was wasting my time. Just the roller coaster of emotions is can be very intense. And then like some of my products, the first product I launched was at the end of uh, the season. So it was like, I was a beginner with Amazon and launched a product that was probably not the best product to launch at that time. And so had a very tough start. And so, you know, going from like selling your, your business to basically making barely any sales on a new product just feels like shit. So. Getting through all that stuff, I think, is is uh, one of the biggest lessons I've learned since I've been out here. Just like pushing through the hard times and yeah, just moving forward, like never giving up. Really, that's it. Like I I I see people in these forums every day on Facebook forums, Amazon groups who they're like, my product isn't working. Like I gave up or I, I don't want to do this anymore. Like that's not an option for me. I'm not. I won't give up. I'll, I'll keep launching products and. Uh, some of them might fail, but some of them will take off. And it's like you have nothing to fall back on. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah there, there's no other option for me. So, um, yeah, push through and, and get through the hard times because, you know, you probably will fail nine times, but the the one winner you hit can make or break your life. You know. I was just thinking about myself, like my second year in China. Uh, I guess. My second year was just was like my first year in my business, and like I think about the hardships. When you talk about the roller coaster ride, like it was a month, like our first month we made, uh, I believe maybe two thousand dollars. So I'd I'd only made like maybe a hundred dollars before from entrepreneurship. So making two grand I was like fucking awesome. Like you know, yeah. got two clients like this is great. Um, and obviously I was undercharging at the time, but two grand I was I was geeked, and I was still working part time teaching. And then I remember, like the next month, we made like a thousand or three thousand or whatever. And then, like for two months, we didn't make any money. At all. <laughs> so I was just yeah. like this thing where I was like on a high, and then I was down, and yeah. I was like, oh my god. And then, like uh, you know, I started getting interns. It was like high, and then uh, I had a couple issues with a few interns. It was just like down. It was just this inconsistency, yeah. and it took like probably another eight months to get to a stage where we were consistently making enough money for me to like pay my rent and pay myself and relax yeah and, and just not worry about yeah my day-to-day -day life you know that yeah. is the biggest for sure i think yeah it's ups and downs but yeah you gotta, you gotta push through that pain period that's that's one of right. the main things yeah, you that's push it's hard to like explain that feeling but it's it's like now i recognize it like yeah i know when it's hard that it's uh that i'll get through it when before I was just like, fuck, what am I gonna do? Yeah. Now it's like, 
Okay, shit is sucking right now, but I know if I just keep going, I'll get out of this and uh, things will be good again. So, so is that both the business and the life lessons <coughs> from a second year in China, or is that just business? I'd say that's that's mostly business related. Um, yeah, like your business can disappear in in one month out of nowhere. Like, you know, not not all businesses, but for the business that I was running, that was definitely a possibility. Like, one month sales are great, next month sales are shit. What about life life lessons? Life lessons. That's such a deep question. <laughs> I'm really bad at these reflective questions. Um, life I mean, lessons. for me, like uh, yeah, second year in China, life lessons. Um, it was it was similar to the business thing in terms of like when you focus on what you want to do, and you're trying not to take in too much noise from other people. You can accomplish it, but there's going to be a pain period before you get to uh, that okay. stage. That's that's a good way to frame it. Yeah, I, I would agree. So, yeah, I think it is important to focus on one thing and know that in the beginning it's not going to be great. There's uh, the second book by uh, M.J. DeMarco I'm reading now called Unscripted, and he talks about this. Um, it's called like the the sand in the desert period, basically, where you're working on something and because you don't have any uh, feedback yet, it's gonna just feel like shit. Yeah. And you don't know when you're gonna, you're gonna get that first sale or that first customer uh, or you know the first dollar or whatever. And that's the period that you really have to just slug it out. Um, yes, focus and like work hard and get it. Yeah, and, and when it comes down to the, the focus thing as well with life in general in China, it's like a big issue that I had when I first came here. Was like, okay, gym is expensive. It's it's uh, expensive to eat healthy, things like that. But like, that was still a focus for me. So like in my second year, I you know started talking to my, my employees and stuff like that. And they were like, well, you can order food through this app. I knew about the app before, but I didn't know how to use it. So then they taught me how to use it. Or they started ordering food for me uh, initially. And then I found like reasonably priced salad places and then I joined a gym so then it's like my second year I kind of the the craving that I had of being like I want to be in this country I want to be here because of the comfort aspect I was able to create it in China just because that was part of my my focus but I feel like a lot of people leave China before they're even able to get to that stage of creating that life yeah I think you know actually when you started talking, I just realized like another another solid life lesson I think I've learned is that like wherever you choose to live or whatever you wherever you choose to be, it's important to make sure that you have a community of people who. There's a saxophone on deck, man. I just I just like whoa. Yeah, that's a that's an old saxophone. It's like a, that's a legit saxophone. I don't think I've ever seen a saxophone. Oh, he's gonna play right now. He's about to start playing a saxophone with a piano. <laughs> It's important to like have a community of people who are uh, working on something that is relevant to what you are, people that you can talk to about your business, 
Um, the hardest times that I've had here is when I didn't have anybody to connect to, no one to relate to. So lately, me, Rico, and, uh, I see Nick, by the way. and our buddy Nick, who is coming, uh, we've been meeting up weekly for our mastermind meetings, and these are super helpful um, just to get through, you know, life stuff and, and business stuff. So having people that you can connect to and relate to in a community of like-minded people, I think is really important wherever you are. What are the, okay, so closing questions. Um, what, what is a mistake that you've made in your second year, in, that you made in your second year in China? Um, and then what are three books, podcasts, blogs that you've recently read that you think people should check out? I know you mentioned a couple, but like. Um, so mistake, the, the, the mistake, the biggest mistake this second year was not having a, uh, a supplemental income before I sold my business. So I didn't have anything set up on the side that was already generating income before I sold that, which I, I should have done. Um, second question was? Three books, three podcasts, books. blogs that you read, read <coughs> um, listened to recently that so people should check out. People, I mean, these books are probably already have been consumed by your audience, but if not, I read The Millionaire Fastlane, um, Unscripted, which is both by MJ DeMarco, which I highly recommend. It's it's uh, it's just fascinating reading this as I'm already out here because it's like a lot of the stuff that we are already doing. But if you're getting into entrepreneurship or you're interested, this is something I think everybody should read. Um, that's two books. What's the third book? Could even be a podcast. Could be a blog article. Um, I listen to I listen to Tim Ferriss podcast. I like to hear some of the different guests that he has. I listen to the Amazing Seller podcast when it has something that's relevant. Um, it's three, bro. You're breaking the rules, you know. You said you're three, po- four. three podcasts. Yeah, you did two books, and now you're doing two. I'm podcasts. trying to give your your listeners a lot of. No, we gotta follow the rules. <laughs> three. That's it. It's done. Okay. It's over. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, that's good. I, uh, if people want to reach out to you, where can they where can they find you? Uh, so I have a YouTube channel. My name is Harrison Evans. It'll be linked below. I have a blog where I write about uh, travel, Amazon FBA, entrepreneurship and all of those awesome things. And yeah, Instagram, yeah, link it all in there. By the way, a little tidbit. If you watch the day in the life video day one, actually day two at this stage, uh, I don't know how, I I should be fine though. If you watch the day in the life video day two, the end sequence, Harrison filmed that, just just to let you know. And also I used uh, Harrison's camera for for that video. Um, all right, so again, if you like this kind of content, you know, give us a comment in the description. Of what comment in the description? Yeah, comment. comment. Don't, in don't the comment, comment in the description. Section, <laughs> in the comment section. In the comment section. This is the second time we've done this. We did first year. This is second year. I want to make this possibly into a series. Maybe I could do this with other people so as well. Ten years, we're we're here. Ten years, you know, fifteen, twenty years, like the old and gray hairs. We're like, what are we doing here, dude? What are we doing? I was like, why are we still doing this? <laughs> but yeah, if you like this, if you like last year's uh, podcast, if you like this one, let me know. Again, comment in the comment section. And uh, if you want to reach out to us, it's podcast at sourcefinancial.com. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, sourcefinancial.com slash made in China for the podcast and uh, links that we've mentioned in this episode. Cheers. Signing off from the Four Seasons Hotel on the 70th floor, Atrium Lounge, Rico. Peace.